Good evening. Our top story tonight, the J.J. McCarthy hype train is getting out of control. NFL insiders are reporting that McCarthy is a middle to middle to late first round pick at worst. And Benjamin Albright tweets he could even be drafted above Drake May and or Jaden Daniels in the upcoming NFL draft. Dynasty analysts are even hitting the Twitterverse and saying that he is their QB one in this draft class. I will give my thoughts on JJ McCarthy as well as updates on the latest on Jimmy Garoppolo, Chris Jones, and more NFL players, all starting now on Player Profiler today. J.J. McCarthy, he's the thumbnail, he's the video title, he's the, the Twitter title. It's what all you here are, are joining me to talk about, I'm sure. So I want to start this off by please sound off in the comments on your thoughts on J.J. McCarthy as I go through this, and we will discuss. B-Ball, 3710 is already in the chat saying his counting numbers look terrible, but the efficiency numbers look much better. I'll start this on a positive note because I usually start negative. There are a lot of positive traits to J.J. McCarthy, and there are a lot of reasons to like him, and I like him, but I don't like when players jump the shark, and that's what J.J. McCarthy is doing right now. The efficiency numbers are good. Are good. The third down passing is good. The, the big-time throws that PFF quantifies, those are impressive. But it simply boils down to quarterbacks like McCarthy who run these drab run first offenses have the benefit of defensive control and field position advantage and rack up these efficiency stats. They don't get the counting numbers. They don't get the reps and they get steamed up whether or not they get drafted in the first round. I don't know. Josh Rosen got drafted in the first round. Will Levis did not get drafted in the first round. But there's always the talk. We're one year removed from Will Levis being steamed up draft boards. He was supposedly a, a top 10 pick, uh, potentially being drafted before Anthony Richardson. And this was 10, 15 days before the NFL draft. We're sitting here in February. People are saying he is a first-round talent. So let's, let's break it down. Statistically, J.J. McCarthy is a losing bet. So we can all agree that fantasy points have a reflection on production on an NFL field. 11 of the 68 quarterbacks in the past 10 years to post a top 24 season failed to hit a 3,000-yard passing season in college. So 16% of quarterbacks failed to hit 3,000 yards. Nearly 80%, over 80% of quarterbacks with a top 24 season had a 3K passing yard season or better. That right off the bat shows you the type of quarterback you're working with. Of those 11, we have four outliers in, in Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton. You can argue Alex Smith even can join that outlier tier. Then we get to Daniel Jones, Deshaun Kaiser, Jacoby Brissett, Josh McCown, Josh Dobbs, Tyrod Taylor. These are the types of names we're lumping him in with now because of this statistic. And there are many other game logs that you can pick and choose. You can pretty much pick from every single one. The efficiency was there, but 
He completed 17 passes in a playoff game, a game that Alabama arguably threw away. Completed 17 passes. The championship game we can call a wash. They dominated that entire game, but Iowa, 22 completions, 147 passing yards in the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State, a competitive game all the way through, 16 completions, 148 passing yards. Maryland, 12 completions, 141 passing yards. Eight attempts, eight attempts in a barn burner of a game against Penn State. Very important game for Penn State and Michigan both. Eight attempts. But he made the plays, but he did what he was asked to do. I get it. I get it. I like McCarthy. He's my QB4 in this class. He deserves to be a upper to mid second round pick no later with what the efficiency numbers show, the the age adjusted performance and the ability, you know, he won a national championship in a system where he was asked to do it and he did it. That's a good trait that can translate just being able to do what you're asked to do. But this is not a world beater. This is not a, a quarterback archetype that is even generally drafted in the first round. Will Levis wasn't a first-round pick. The, we've learned Kenny Pickett shouldn't have been a first-round pick, but he was. And so I'm not here to tell you whether or not J.J. McCarthy is going to be picked in the first round. It seems like he might be. But what I will say is that we've been here before, and we haven't seen that draft capital come to fruition. And we've seen these guys sputter in the next league. A lot of people are mocking him to the Vikings in the mid, early mid first round. Is that a situation we want a 21 year old quarterback to, to step into? It's a good offense. It's not a very good defense. It's not a very good offensive line. It's a guy we've seen flust be flustered under pressure, be very erratic. This is not the type of, of archetype we want to send him into despite having Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. That's that's fun, but the J.J. McCarthy-led Vikings would not be very good, and he could potentially learn some bad habits. And you've wasted a first-round pick, and you're still bad. So I, I'm not buying the hype. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on this throughout the draft season. And we will get into more of the NFL's top headlines right after this. All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users. What do you want? What do you need? And we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report. And if you want to create a new report, but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data. Show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the Fantasy Tools section, click on Data Analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data-analysis. And we're back with Player Profiler today. Go check out the Data Analysis tool. It truly is one of the best in the business, if not 
dare I say, the best in the business. Go check it out. Our next story revolves around just one handsome man. This is the top story on the Player Profiler News Desk. Shout out to Bradley Stalder for the incredible job he has built this into. Go check it out at playerprofiler.com slash news. And you can find this story along with many others by the news desk team. But but Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he fumbled a, a pretty large bag. If you have not seen this report, it's a couple of days old now. But Jimmy Garoppolo is being served with a two-game suspension for violating the league's substance abuse policy, taking performance-enhancing drugs. Now, there's there's so many funny things ab- about this, but but probably the funniest is that the eleven million dollars in Jimmy Garoppolo's contract that was this close to becoming guaranteed and and being owed to him by the team is now void. <laughs> he he fumbled an eleven million dollar bag, and not only that, the Raiders are expected to release Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is just by far the best thing that has happened to the Raiders organization in in a, in a while. Jimmy Garoppolo was a hindrance to that roster. He was not providing any value. He he didn't start over Aiden O'Connell. This new organization came in and said, we're, we're done with you, Jimmy. We don't need you. But they owed him $11 million that they couldn't just get rid of. And then he failed a drug test and threw it all away. And the Raiders were handed an opportunity to cut him from the roster. So Jimmy Garoppolo, in the coming days now, will become a free agent. And now he hits the name of a a pretty lackluster free agent quarterback class. Not a lot of significant openings, but this does open the door for potentially Atlanta or Pittsburgh to come in and get their supposed starter for next year. Wouldn't be a glorious signing, in my opinion, wouldn't be a good one. But we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo run an efficient system. We've seen him get to the Super Bowl. We've seen him almost win a Super Bowl. So there's going to be that that mindset in in organizations that maybe he still has it. So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to hit free agency. It's going to be interesting to see what the chatter is like on him. Now on the Raiders side, Offensive coordinator Luke Getze was reportedly excited to work with Aiden O'Connell. Not buying into that a lot. Uh, what else is the new OC going to say? He's obviously going to commend the 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 fourth or fifth round pick. I'm forgetting at the moment. Aiden O'Connell for what he was able to do last season. But with this quarterback draft class, it's hard to imagine the Raiders don't make a play for somebody. Uh, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. are both going to be affordable in terms of likely not being first-round quarterbacks. And they're both far and away better than Aiden O'Connell, despite my Purdue bias. So look for the Raiders to draft a quarterback. I would not be surprised if they made plays for for Bo Nix uh, or even Michael Penix Jr. I think both of those those check a lot of boxes for the Raiders who – were surprisingly competitive in a lot of games. They have a defense that can hold its own. They have an offense that has pieces 
but they are severely lacking in the quarterback department. So getting a cheap quarterback, freeing up $11 million, these are all good things for the Raiders. So under Antonio Pierce, uh, good things are starting to happen there in Las Vegas. Uh, and speaking of good things for, for teams, the rich getting richer, the Kansas City Chiefs have picked up their team option on defensive tackle Chris Jones' contract, and they now retain the right to franchise tag the, the star defensive lineman. So Chris Jones, who is a pivotal piece to Steve Spagnuolo's defense, he is now likely going to be retained as a chief. I know no one's surprised here, but these are these are the biggest news movements that are happening right now. As we know, this is a little bit of a slow time uh, for, for football content, which is why we're talking about J.J. McCarthy so much in, in February. But Chris Jones is going to be, remain a chief. I feel like he's still not getting enough credit for how important he was to this Chief Super Bowl run. We saw it in the Bills game. Josh Allen has a receiver wide open in the end zone. He misses him by a mile because who's in his face? Chris Jones. We see Brock Purdy, wide open player. He misses the throw by a mile. Why? Because Chris Jones was in his face in two seconds flat. He made two of the biggest plays for this Chiefs, for this Chiefs team all season. And when you look at his stats in comparison to defensive tackles, because these stats can get skewed towards edge rushers and linebackers, those who are schemed to the quarterback more often, schemed to the play even more often. Chris Jones, second among defensive tackles in sacks with two with 10 and a half. Third among defensive tackles in tackles for loss. And first among defensive tackles in QB pressures. Those were just the stats I decided to check into. Hurries, he's up there. Uh, total tackles, he, he's up there. Chris Jones is an absolute force. And with how young this Kansas City Chiefs defense is, they can afford the $19.5 million that this franchise tag is going to be. Although they are reportedly working out a long-term deal with Chris Jones, I I would expect that to get done. I would expect that to get done. The Kansas City Chiefs are in a situation where they have some cap room, but signing Chris Jones to a long-term deal is actually going to be easier on the cap books if they defer some money out and you know we, we avoid a 19.5 million dollar cap hit and we're in the when they're in the middle of the run they sign them to a three or four year deal defer that cash to years three or four convert a lot of it to a signing bonus and suddenly he's at a five to six million dollar cap hit for the first couple of years uh so i, I wouldn't be surprised when a long-term contract gets signed there he's he's the defensive mvp alongside maybe Legarius Need or Trent McDuffie, who are both incredible. But the Kansas City Chiefs remain one of the smartest organizations in football. We see these offenses, you know, the Bills, they they didn't learn. The Bengals aren't learning. These teams aren't learning from what Kansas City is doing. And these are the elements that the New England Patriots were so good at for so long that built that dynasty. And the only team that truly caught on was the Kansas city chiefs. They now have, you know, an above average defense. You could say, you know, this year, I believe the metrics would show that they were an elite defense, but it's young. It's very young. They have a quarterback on a large contract, 
but they've surrounded him with the right pieces. Maybe not the best pieces, but enough of the right pieces. And these were the elements that forward-thinking front offices have been have been good at that have won Super Bowls. The Eagles were able to pull this off. The Seahawks were able to pull this off, except they weren't as young on defense. They were just lethal, but they were young on offense. So these were these were the things that front offices who have come away with championships have gotten right. This is something that the Kansas City Chiefs continue to get right. Something the 49ers did right. But Kyle Shanahan just uh just can't understand the rules. The 49ers one of the worst bag fumbles we've seen. And Every bit of content that's come out on the San Francisco 49ers since the Super Bowl loss has been more and more and more incriminating. We start with the team not knowing the overtime rules. All right, I'm not going to get too far into that. And then we've, we've talked our ears off about that. But now the mic'd up footage comes out. A, it's awesome to hear how excited the Chiefs were when they got the ball, right? Because they, Travis Kelsey says it aloud. We know exactly what we need to get now. So, it, you know, they clearly knew. And then they show some other pieces of the game where George Kittle is running around. You know, he stops mid-play and looks at George Karlaftis and says, Hi, George. And George dives down and recovers a fumble. He gives up a fumble because he was joking around. Uh, there's, there's a couple other clips of George Kittle, you know, goofing off mid-play. He doesn't look checked in. Not going to start a whole narrative, you know, about, about their attitude and everything, but there's just been a lot of bad looks for the San Francisco 49ers. And it's the same theme that we come back to every year with this team. They're dominant, but they can't win in the playoffs. Why? It appears to be things like this that stem from Kyle Shanahan. I'm not a big Kyle Shanahan fan. I don't think he is a, a Super Bowl winning coach. We see the game script issues. We see the issues with timeouts and challenges and, and, and not knowing what to do in these strategic coaching decisions. So I do believe that the Chiefs are showing the NFL just like the Patriots did, you know, just like the the Seahawks did, who you could argue were, you know, a few plays away from a dynasty of their own. And these other NFL teams simply are not taking note, not paying attention. And it's why Kansas City is going to be a Super Bowl contender for as long as Patrick Mahomes is around. So if you're tired of the Chiefs, I'm tired of the Chiefs. Get used to it because until these organizations actually start picking up on what's building dynasties, nothing's going to change. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to franchise tag T. Higgins and completely throw their Super Bowl window out the window. They're going to spend $20 million to keep a tier two to tier three at best receiver in T Higgins and keep him around despite having holes in the offensive line on the defense. These teams, these teams don't get it. And that's why we have to see the same shit over and over again with the Kansas city chiefs. They can't keep getting away with this, but they can and they will. Because the rest of the NFL is simply refusing to catch up.
we will first of all shout out to everyone in the chat anthony fake alpha t higgins too expensive couldn't have said it better t higgins is way too expensive for 20 million dollars a year now if a team like carolina who has a good amount of cap to spend not a lot to spend it on they're going to be bad they need somebody to develop bryce young with i could see it i could see a t higgins signing Every now and then, you're going to have to pay someone too much money, and it's not going to matter because you're going to stink. But if a contending team is really seriously thinking about paying T. Higgins $20 million when you have an alpha option already, look at the draft. Look at who's in the draft. Romo Dunes. Odunze. I don't know why I said Odunes. I actually still don't know which one it is. It's one of the two. Troy Franklin. Hell, Brian Thomas Jr., Roman Wilson, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell. There are so many talented receivers in this draft. Why are you paying one $20 million to be your plan B? It doesn't make any sense. It's why the Cincinnati Bengals are going to struggle to win a Super Bowl with Joe Burrow. They could go down as being one of the one of the biggest wasted talents in the league in his tenure with Cincinnati, if they continue to, to happen to do this. <laughs> oh, dunes, LOL. Hey, you know, I don't know. I, just, I heard it both ways to start, to start the, the off season. And I, I just haven't settled in on which one I, I feel like, I feel like there's multiple people who are who are pronouncing it the the wrong way i'm i'm probably one of them but if i say it both ways i'm probably you know 50% chance of being right so we will finish out the show talking about a few more news bullet points so russell wilson there was a lot of weird drama with his contract going on mid season they wanted him to take a discount uh the gm then said no i didn't i didn't say that I wanted to take a discount there's a lot of drama going on in denver it appeared that Russell Wilson would not remain a Bronco. And now we're seeing news that suggests that Russell Wilson may be brought back to the team. Uh, I haven't done my digging, but my basic contract sense tells me it's mostly money related. They would have a lot of dead cap. Should they get rid of Russell Wilson and outright cut him? So it appears to me the plan is to get Russell Wilson aboard with the vision, try and work with him figure out how to convert his contract to free up some cap and then maybe go one more year with them and maybe put themselves in a position where they can cut him. Should they decide they don't want, they don't want him around anymore. So it's going to be an interesting situation to see develop because Russell Wilson is, is not a dumb guy. So if there's any sense of trying to do these contract negotiations in a, in a selfish way just to benefit the Broncos and put them in a team friendlier position. I don't think Russell Wilson's necessarily going to be aboard for that unless there's some sort of incentive upon contract re-signing or, or contract, uh, uh, whatever they, whatever they call it. When they change his contract, there might be some incentive, uh, monetary incentive. It, Things are looking like they're on the mend in Denver, but I have a feeling that things are about to spiral. It this is a there's the water's boiling, and we're gonna see. We we've put the frog in there. 
and we're going to see if it jumps out or if it stays in there and boils. You know what I mean? Russell Wilson is probably going to be the starter for the Denver Broncos, but after that, if we see the same Broncos team we saw last year, I think this team is going to maybe try and trade Russell Wilson, try and cut Russell Wilson. Uh, Needless to say, it's very clear that neither party necessarily wants to be in this relationship, but they have to be in this relationship. So we've all seen a couple that kind of didn't want to be together, but felt like they had to be together. Those breakups never end well. Those breakups never end well. It's always ugly, but it's always entertaining. So I'm sure we will be entertained by what follows in this Broncos saga. On to some lighter news. Anthony Richardson has been cleared to throw recently, and he is now reportedly six to eight weeks ahead of recovery in his shoulder surgery. Uh, First of all, that's incredible news. Anthony Richardson was looking like he could be a cheat code in fantasy football. And by a cheat code, I mean someone who truly just broke the game. We're talking, you know, early Lamar Jackson, talking about now Lamar Jackson, even. Uh, We're talking about, you know, Mahomes, Cam Newton, Josh Allen level efficiency through the air and rushing ability. I shouldn't say efficiency through the air, but his production through the air was pretty good. And and the rushing upside was incredible. Uh, he was on pace to, to easily finish within the top 10 QBs, but we only saw him for four games. So there's a value purgatory with Anthony Richardson. And right now there's a lot of sharp saying to sell in dynasty. I think right now is the time to buy in dynasty because we are going to see a fully healthy Anthony Richardson potentially by minicamp. He could be good enough to be fully involved with all the team drills. There's not a lot of contact going on in minicamp. So he could potentially get that full off season that is so important from your rookie to your sophomore season. So this is huge news for Anthony Richardson. Those reps, the you know, minicamp and everything might seem like something that isn't a big deal. But when you're that young and asked to do this much, Every single rep you get with your teammates, every bit of chemistry that's developed, every deeper understanding of the playbook and of defensive tendencies that you can grasp is incredibly valuable to the development of that player. So Anthony Richardson is going to get a full offseason. He's going to be fully healthy by week one. He is going to be a top eight quarterback in fantasy. He's going to be a top eight quarterback in fantasy. You can put that down. I know it's specific, but he's going to be a top eight quarterback. I'm going to put my stamp on that now. I'm going to plant my flag on Anthony Richardson. Applied literature in the chat. Six to, man does have the X factor. It's it's really crazy what the combination of modern medicine and these young bodies can, can accomplish. Like when you're that young, we saw Brees Hall come back very early from his ACL tear. Uh, return to full health fairly quickly into the season and and completely dominate. Anthony Richardson, six to eight weeks ahead of his therapy or ahead of his recovery. Excuse me. When you're that young and modern medicine has developed so much that even a brutal ACL tear or a throwing shoulder injury are things that you can be, you can recover from fairly quickly. And that's really impressive what what modern medicine's been able to to pull off there. And finally, we'll end the show talking about Austin Eckler. 
Jim Harbaugh expressed his interest in retaining Austin Eckler when talking about the running back. He had a lot of good things to say. And I'll throw this back to the, the Luke Getze comment earlier on in the show. You know, what else is he going to say? Jim Harbaugh, he's not the kind of guy that's going to stand up there and say, ah, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're going to look a different direction. He's going to give the veteran running back, former undrafted player, who's become one of the best running backs in the league, most versatile backs in the league. He's going to give him his flowers because he deserves them. But whether or not he's actually going to return to the Chargers is a perplexing question. On the one hand, we talk contract value. He's 29 years old. He just had his worst season as a rusher ever. Granted, he was clearly playing through some pain in through that ankle injury. But Jim Harbaugh is, is a sharp. Jim Harbaugh knows it's silly to invest that type of contract into a 29-year-old Austin Eckler. Mark Gonzalez in the chat nails it on the head. Apparently, Jim wants Saquon. That's a much, if you're going to spend on a running back, you might as well spend on Saquon Barkley. It's going to be a few million dollars less to spend on Austin Eckler, but the talent upgrade to Saquon Barkley is, is unreal. I mean, we're talking about a souped up peak Austin Eckler. We have not seen Saquon in an offense the caliber of the Chargers in maybe ever. Arguably the best offense he will ever play in if he steps foot on that team. Now, can they make that work with Saquon Barkley, $44 million under the cap? That's going to be tricky. Now, I haven't dove into how they can maneuver their contracts, but this is generally going to be hard to pull off an expensive running back contract in the middle of being $44 million below the cap. It's going to be tough to pull off. But as we know about the cap, you have to be under it by the league start, so it's possible for it to happen. So it's a, it, it, there's probably a way. There's probably a way if he really wants them, but I expect the Chargers to go cheap, potentially draft a running back, and try to invest in pieces around this team because this team is far away from competing. This team is far away from competing, but Jim Harbaugh is not somebody who's going to have an extended tank. He's going to try and D'Amico Ryan's his way into succeeding right away. Hell, he's already shown how he could succeed in the NFL. This isn't his first rodeo. He's almost a, he's a Super Bowl head coach. So I'll end the show with this. If Saquon Barkley signs to the Los Angeles Chargers, does that push this current team over the edge and make them a Super Bowl contender? Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.